A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the MC Universe. We are the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. And I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're here to recap episode five of Marvel's Secret Invasion on Disney Plus, titled Harvest. We'll walk you through the episode, pointing out things you might have missed, and talking about what it all means. And stay tuned until the end of the show for Comics Corner, where Jean will get into the comic book comparisons and we'll dig into thoughts and theories from the community. Speaking of feedback, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Email your secret invasion feedback and theories to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail and we can include it in the next episode. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We are just celebrating our one-year podcasting anniversary. We're about to send out a cool thank you gift. We made a custom sticker that's only going to be available once and forever. And anyone who is a subscriber by uh, July 31st at uh, 11.59 p.m., you can still get one of these. So check us out. We've got a ton of exclusive benefits. Uh, we've got a really fun and great community. So if that's something of interest to you, check us out. I'll have some more information about that at the end of the podcast, but also stick around to the end of the podcast where we will have some programming notes for our schedule for the rest of July. We'll also do a quick check-in regarding our affiliate podcasts and their schedules as well. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us out and get more ears tuned into the Law Hounds MC universe. All you need to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful, even if it's just a few quick words. We read all the reviews, and they mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll, of course, be spoiling the first five episodes of Secret Invasion, but spoilers from the rest of the MCU and the Marvel comics are also on the table. Finally, we'd like to make a note that we're in full support of the WGA SAG-AFTRA strike, and we want the projects made by those creatives to succeed, not just because we love good stories, but because helping these projects to succeed gives people who made them more leverage at the bargaining table. So please encourage your friends and family to support strong storytelling 
whenever you see it. So that we can get the studios to make more of it. All right. That being said, where are we at? See, episode five, we've got one more to go. This was written by Michael Bim and Brian Tucker. Brian Tucker, I think, is a, a writer on every episode, and it was directed by Ali Salim, who is also directed every episode. We're one away. This is our penultimate. Jean, where are you at? Are we gonna? Are we coming in for a good, <laughs> uh, uh, proper landing, or oh, we're man, a little wobbly I, here? There's a lot of turbulence going on, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, this episode, I had a hard time with it. Uh huh. First off, um, yay for Sonia, yay for Vera, <laughs> yay for Gaia. And that's really about all the yays that I have. <laughs> that's it. Everything else, I question at every turn, all the, almost every scene left me wondering, like, what the F mm-hmm. is going on here? And, Relatable. And it's just, ah, I was just so, I hate to question the logic of shows, uh-huh. but I was questioning the logic of this show, of this episode. And then it made me question the logic of the show Overall. as a whole. Mm-hmm. There were some strong scenes in here. Again, you know, thank you to all the actors who gave standout performances, Sonia, especially Olivia Coleman. I, I love her. But yeah, we'll get into it as we break down the scenes. It's just really so many questions, so many plot holes for me that are not making sense things don't add up like the president has one advisor <laughs> like how is that even possible you mm-hmm. know there's no chief of staff where's the vp where are the joint chiefs what what's going on here yeah i'm questioning graphics overall motives it's not what they set it up to be in the beginning maybe that's a, a good thing that they you know cloaked and daggered me into believing what he was pushing. Um, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or if it's just poor storytelling. And the overall reveal of what Nick had done was just baffling to me Mm -hmm. that he would be able to get away with that. Right. So we'll talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Alicia, how are you feeling? Are you Sort of in line with Jean here, or do you've got some uh, additional uh, opinions on? I, I, the, at the beginning, I started very optimistic, and I said they wouldn't show us things unless there was a point. And this mm-hmm. is the episode where I kind of feel like I have to take that back because it feels <laughs> like. But but I have to say that I I feel like it feels very like pulled apart and stitched back together roughly without being, Mm. you know, mended. And um, obviously we know there were rewrites about, you know, Russia. And then I was thinking, you know, a lot of this was filmed in 2021. I'm wondering how much COVID restrictions might've played into that because uh, I had some questions about some of the staging of scenes. Like why are they so often in a car on a phone call with somebody in another location? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a budget component there. Um, sure, right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. But also that a lot of budget could be going to, you know, COVID regulations at the time, things like that. Okay. And so the principal ph- photography was done in the 2021? Uh, and 2022, but yeah, okay. but a lot of it was in 2021, beginning of Got 2022. It. Okay. 
And yeah, I don't know. And I, I'm trying to spin it as like, okay, so this is an, a positive opportunity to analyze why so much of the script isn't working. Mm -hmm. There there seems to be a, a consistent problem with just not setting things up to be meaningful. So it makes no impact. And mm -hmm. now we get to go through some examples that maybe are helpful to people who want to, you know, think about their own writing or, you know, uh, being critical of uh, storytelling that they encounter in their mm -hmm. hobbies. So, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, thank the gods for more Sonia. I want her to have a spinoff. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be dope. That would be dope. That would be cool. Oh yeah. And I also wanted to point out, um, so Marilyn Arpaquila, she said on our Discord, uh, mm -hmm. she pointed out that a Frost Beast, you know, we were saying like, what, what's kind of the point of the Frost Beast? And she was pointing out that uh, actually that being able to be frozen could be very useful for scrolls right. who want to induce a nuclear winter. So, yeah. Oh, so yeah. obvious. <laughs> yeah. It was, so, it was good, right there all the time. It was right in front of us. Right that's why we have a community that's why we exactly. have discord and feedback so exactly. folks can can point it out because we we can't but it, you know this is i think this goes to the heart of the podcasting question is you know why do we do this what good is this for all that kind of stuff it's it's for this it's it's the i think uh in our birthday message uh special interviews i think both y'all said something to the effect that we these are the things we love and even if we're having problems with a particular story we still love this content we still love these shows and we want to gather around the virtual water cooler cooler and take it apart and analyze it pick up the missed details so yeah we yes. uh, we totally appreciate the community in that regard even when we're out we're in yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice one well played. That's both. Each of you've got a, a organic one in there now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was totally cribbing off of Jean. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, cool. Yeah. I am also in the WTF uh, for this episode. There were some real head scratcher things, some fun moments between certain characters. Uh oh, flirting <laughs> attack, flirting alert. Yeah, I mean Olivia Coleman, as you said, was great. the The scene between um, Fury and Rhodey was was kind of fun in a way as well. But overall, yeah, it was a little bit of a, a head scratcher in certain moments. So, and then of course we have a big hook at the end. Who did he call, and who's coming in to help out with stuff? That is the big question, I think. So we'll see. I guess yeah, we'll get into some theories about that maybe when, when we get in. All right, well, let's just get ahead, go ahead and get into our breakdown. All right, Alicia, you, again, did our excellent notes. Would you be so kind to run us through the episode? Yeah, so we open with the aftermath of uh, the whole attack on the motorcade last week, and we have Ritson being wheeled into a hospital on a gurney. Um, he needs a blood transfusion, and I learned a thing. The doctor said, I'll crack his chest. You take a laparotomy. Laparotomy. Laparotomy, yeah. Which apparently is a surgical incision into the abdominal cavity. So just in case anyone else wanted to learn. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just opened a medical dictionary. What's what's a really bad story? Or watched a couple of episodes of ER and yeah, decided exactly. to throw in a couple of high-end procedures. <laughs> yeah and so fury he's he's in there and he's like trying to get in the president's face he's like it wasn't the russians whatever you do don't trust colonel Rhodes. and but he's blocked from going deeper into the hospital you know he's uh being made to feel uh impotent again and so he takes a chair to wait by the door and uh, meanwhile the new there's a news report of a shape-shifting alien rescuing president uh which was talos of course now 
do you think this news report is generating sympathy for the scrolls? Like, do you think it'll change how the public responds to like a potential bombing of new scrollers? We have no idea. I, I have no idea because <laughs> I, I I don't know what what it all means to the general population. Like this, I felt like that line was opening up to the world that there are these aliens living amongst us, but we have no. Yeah, I. I I, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel with that. Are they going to be accepted? Are they not going to be accepted? Or is it? Well, I was wondering if it would like if it would undermine Gravik's plans. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Do you have know. Any thoughts, David? I am. I, I think that the scrolls are now um, have been exposed uh, as is going to change the the calculus. That is for sure. Obviously, we have a, a number of national leaders uh, who are scrolls themselves, so they're going to be controlling, you know, the policy reactions and that sort of thing. But what is the population of the Earth going to think? The population of the Earth, I would guess, at this point, is pretty traumatized. We had space aliens, you know, New York, you know, had its uh, <laughs> guts kicked out of it stomped on by an invading force and then we had a snap and we've got Wakandans and we've got Asgardians. It's got to be pretty messy. So, hey, great. We've got shape-shifting aliens living amongst us now. What the hell am I supposed to think of? So, Yeah, but saving the president, that's the key. Yeah. I, I think the Xenoph... I think, well, maybe that's probably, probably what the, sh the show is, is going to put its finger on is xenophobia. How strong mm -hmm. a force is xenophobia? And how does that affect people's attitudes? Because this whole show has been about, you know, has has had this sort of civil rights undercurrent message, not even undercurrent. I mean, just straight up, yeah, like, yeah. How, do you, how do you deal with race and how do you deal with equity and how do you deal with representation and, and um, being, you know, authentically living who you are and showing yourself in your own skin and these th things. So I, I think it's an open question that they maybe intentionally set up so that they could explore the question of xenophobia a little bit more. So mm -hmm. we're going to see how they create the reaction. So yeah, we, I, I think it's a wait and see thing for me. Well, uh, Gravik, he seems to think that oh, his plan- Oh, can we, can we yeah. just step back to, we don't have to belabor this point, uh -huh. but the whole hospital scene was ridiculous. Uh -huh. <laughs> the president of the United States is having his chest cracked open and right. his abdominal cavity opened up. There are three doctors and Nick Fury. It yeah. strains credibility. Well, this it, is this is why I'm wondering if like COVID played any role. It's a very in good this point. Year. I didn't think about that. that. Is I thought point. we were. I thought this the principal photography had been done after COVID. So that's what I was. Uh, uh, that was just in my assumption. I thought we were clear from. Yeah. You know that I thought all the backlog stuff that came out during from the COVID times. I thought like for all shows, like we were past that. But I, mm -hmm. I didn't realize. So that makes sense. I think that your, does, your theory it does is, make sense. is correct. Because they're limiting the number of people in an enclosed space, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. It limits the number of people you can have in a scene together. Yeah. Except right. then they had the whole group of guards standing there, but that almost felt a little AI generated. It felt a little matrix action. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that could have been a digital yeah. thing because that was a lot of people showing up really fast. Really and, quickly. Yeah. Right. So they or could done have later with reshoots. Yeah, or they could have could have been reshoots, or they could have um, done in them individually and then digitally composited right. that shot with live actors, just you know, uh, just copying and pasting right. them. 
I know they the I know they did that for some shows. Like I totally noticed it, for instance, like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. They had two actors in different places and you could tell they had uh, they had juxtaposed them into the same scene. Yeah. They did a lot for Ted Lasso as well. A lot of the stadium crowd shots uh, mm-hmm. were that and it, it looked horrible. And I just uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I know it's going to get, quote unquote, better. And, and certainly the um, de-aging stuff that was in Indiana Jones mm-hmm. seemed to do well. And in Secret Invasion, yes. the de-aging yeah, is looks good. Yeah, yeah that, oh, that's true. Great. Yeah, that's it right. Looks great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Gravik, um, he thinks that he's king of the scrolls now. I guess he kind of is. And so we're back in the new scrollless power plant. And Pagan, he drops off Gravik, Beto, and that female scroll we thought might wind up being important, but I don't think anything's important in the show anymore. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and they, the camera keeps lingering on Pagan and Beto to show us that they're having doubts. Right. And we keep seeing yeah, them staring at Gravik and they're thinking about it. And uh, so Gravik, he claims the high ground. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi would be Proud of, only proud of him, yes. <laughs> Nothing else that he says or does. And yeah, he's looking over the rest of the people and Pagan saying like, you should be proud and graphics like, our target was the president, not Talos. So so I guess they did want to kill the president. Yes, I owe you uh, a uh, internet point or two on that. You were <laughs> correct. I was wrong. They were going, they were trying to kill him. But then I, the, the whole thing about whether or not you want to kill Fury, that's very wishy-washy throughout this scene. Well, first, oh, yeah. So he blames Pagan for not stealing when he's supposed to the harvest, uh, which, okay, whatever. Yeah, Pagan, he's definitely lost the faith. You know, he talks about these religious connections. He's he's yes. no longer, Gravik is no longer his god. And yeah, he doesn't believe Gravik would have taken out the, the convoy because he, you ordered Fury's death when you knew Vara would never do it. So Rava, so I was wrong there. I lose internet points. Rava was not acting <laughs> a, on her It's own. a push. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you didn't take the chance to kill him today. And then he says, well, Fury was only on that motorway because Vara's a traitor, so let's go kill her. But then, yeah, the, it wobbles on this point the whole episode. Like, do you guys, did he want to keep Fury alive or not? Because he keeps going back and forth on this. Like, he wanted to keep him alive because he knew where the the DNA was. And then, but no, but I did seriously try to kill him. But if I kept him alive, it's because he knows where the DNA is. What do you think, Sean? This is when I started to question Varric's entire raison d'etre for this mm-hmm. entire for this series because when he says we weren't supposed to kill talos all right okay you weren't supposed to kill talos but you killed him in front of fury so what you're really trying to do to me is get vengeance on nick fury yeah like it seems like this is a, a personal thing mm-hmm. that he's he's at odds with nick and this whole standard bad guy mustache twirly stuff right mm. yeah mustache twirly you know, surrogate father, surrogate, you know, right. mm-hmm. you know, hero figure who let me down and mm. and now I'm upset at you and, you know, I'm lashing out. That's what Gravik felt like to me in this episode for this entire series that I'm looking back on it, that the ideals that he espoused, you know, about a greater Skrullos and a home world for the scrolls is not really what he's after. What he's really mm-hmm. after is just making Nick Fury pay for whatever grievance he has against them. Which right. is a really boring yes. plot that we've seen done a gazillion times right. and a gazillion times. And shows. a lot better. Mm. Right. Yeah. And a lot better. Right? right. So fair enough. We've gotten to this point of the story, and this is where the story is leading me. And I'm kind of like, this is crap. Mm-hmm. 
but it's better than it's better than um, Iron Fist or <laughs> or oh, Inhumans. <laughs> we, we're not talking about Iron Fist. And we won't uh, definitely yeah, not yeah. talk about the humans. <laughs> I mean, you you thought I ranted on that amazing Spider-Man 25? <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> but this I'm just is looking for the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I I question everything about graphic, and then in turn it's making me question everything about this series, which is disappointing, you know, to say mm-hmm. the least. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I, I, you know, we were thinking like, is Pagan going to wind up like getting some super, super scroll? I've been super analyzing what is going on with Beto and, you know, what role he's going to play in it. And the point was just for them to both look suspicious at Gravis, Gravik for a bit and then die. So here Pagan says, Fury never trusted you. So why should we? And he gets a death by grooting. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, I just feel like with Beto, especially, they they must have cut out some good character work with this whole cutting it apart and putting it Had back to. together. Like that whole they set up that whole thing with that that submarine episode where it felt like these three characters are going to be important, but then we only ever saw Pagan during that, and then that was it. Right. We never referred to right. it again. So they must have right. cut stuff out. And, yeah, and, it's, it, it's hard to say, you know, whether they cut stuff out at filming or in in script. And I think this goes to one of the points about how modern television writing is being done, where they'll get somebody to spec out a script and then they'll throw together a small writer's room and then they'll they'll do some it's fast and quick, a few people, and then they kick it back out and then they kick it to somebody else for rewrites or whatever. It's it's ultimately going it doesn't feel like it's making good product. And mm-hmm. it's making good stories and the stories get cut up and, as you say, disjointed. And and you can kind of feel that Lego blocks are being taken apart and recombined in ways that don't necessarily work. And this is what really annoys me at one level is that higher up the corporate chain, people moving stuff around and they're managing for the IP, not for the story, not understanding that a good story is what's going to make your money in the, uh, in the IP mm. universe down the road. Give us good product. We will be, you know, we'll be down for all of this stuff. But if you mess with the uh, yeah, quality like, of, this, yeah. of the writing, then you're, you're undercutting one third of the, the leg of, your, of, of what it is that you're trying to do. It feels like a maybe too many cooks in the kitchen situation. Yeah, well, too many, uh, too many corporate cooks, not, yeah, exactly. you know, not showrunner exactly. cooks, right? Mm. Mm. Sorry, Jean, I cut you off. There. No, no, I was just, you know, the whole Beto, uh, like, wh- why is he here? Why right. is he yeah. in the series? Right. I mean, like, I feel like he, they, he must have had a point. He must have had a point, and they cut stuff out because now yes. it's just, yeah. It, this it, it was so strange to me that entire the entire setup, and we're wondering at one point we're wondering if he's going to get super scroll powers, right? Or is he going to be a mole? He's going to turn right. what is he gonna, and feed yeah. Fury information, or and none of that, nothing. We we barely, I, I What was his purpose in, yeah. in mm-hmm. this series? Like just to be a foil to Gravik's uh, monsterism. And is was he really a foil? No, I don't even yeah. think he was a foil. He didn't. He have was just enough. there to like rep the rest of the group later on. When he, right, he, kind of a red shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like a, he's a red shirt, so, yeah. a named red shirt. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't. I don't need that. I don't want that. Mm, like, yeah. and and my stories, you know. Yeah. If he's going and, to be a red shirt, make him a red shirt, but don't put some sort of you know like 
pretend gravity to this character sure. when there is none. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've been giving us we you've been feeding him to us the entire, the entire series, series so far. Yeah. Yeah. Right from the beginning, right from episode one. Oh, who's right. this? Oh, this is our new guy. Oh yeah. I mean, I think the opening shots were with him, weren't they? In the car driving into New Scrolls. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, he was definitely early on, and that was the best. That was when he intrigued me. I was like, "Oh, this uh, yeah, fresh face guy is going to yeah. be our view of exactly like, this into whole, New Scroll." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. like he he journeyed, you know, from who knows where to get there. What was his situation like? We never got any of that. No, mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, there how did he get nothing. there? Why, how did he wind up on Earth by himself? Yeah, right. What that mm-hmm. would have been an interesting uh, story construction. Just starting from him arriving on Earth and making his right. way, f- making contact with scrolls, going through becoming a um, what's the word I want to say? An enthusiastic supporter of Gravik's strongman uh, right. attitudes, but then being disillusioned as he sees Gravik killing yeah. other scrolls and then have him turn and. Yeah, that that would be an interesting story just to follow, you know, one part of the entire series. Like that would have been our view in Scroll Society. Right, right. Because yeah. we don't we don't even have one. And and from we Correct. have graphic, but we don't have the Denzians of New Scrolls. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have their point of view, right? So that I, we really feel it when Graphic does turn. Right. We yeah. don't have any of there's nothing there. It's just like, you know, a bunch of of you know people of of, of people just saying yeah 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 all mm-hmm. right yeah well ha ha ha. Uh, Alicia has it here uh, the the quote you're all faceless nameless. Well you yeah know? I mean I think like Gravik basically pulled from the minions how to make sure your minions <laughs> rebel one on one textbook like <laughs> exactly <laughs> you, you thought you had a voice but you're nothing <laughs> right stand so white poop on you let me demoralize my army yeah. right. Makes no sense. All right. It makes all right. No all right, sense. All right. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's keep rolling. All right. All right. So back in the hospital, um, we get another one of those phone calls, and it's Gravik to uh, Rodi Rava. Where are you? Rava's on my way to the hospital to make our outcome more favorable. Um, now, I have to give Don Cheadle some credit because I do so think that. This. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. especially now knowing that Rava is a like very feminine scroll who's like trying to be this ma- macho, you know, yes. put on this march- macho roadie persona. You can see Don Cheadle playing those different layers. Yes, um, yes. Graphics like change of plans. We want to keep Ritson alive. Make sure he knows it wasn't just the Russians that scrolls helped uh, convince him to eliminate scrolls here in Russia. So Rava's understandably confused because Gravik says he wants leverage against Fury, and if it doesn't work, we'll just sacrifice. But this does this plan make sense to anyone else? No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it was very confusing. No, like, like what? Yeah, I mean, again, okay. So, go ahead, Alicia. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So we do have to factor in that there are humans there, like presumably, like. Uh, the you know uh, UK Prime Minister we know is there. Presumably, Agent Ross is there. People like that. They are all on that base and would die also. But what? right, because they're all hooked <laughs> up to this scroll memory machine thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. I guess he's trying to. He's trying to leverage Fury. Okay, fine. Uh, and it seems to work. Obviously, Fury's got you know some tricks up his sleeves yet up up but up the why? sleeves of his leather jacket. Uh, but I think. <laughs> To I think ultimate I think the the flip side of it is there's two things. Gravic it's showing us that Gravic just turned into a monster. Power corrupts. Blah blah blah. Sure. 
And then the other thing is there's got to be a lot of scrolls that are not in New Scrollo. So like mm-hmm. how many people are actually there? 5,000, 10,000. Okay. So we nuke that and now we've pissed off all the scrolls. Now all the rest of the scrolls in the universe are really mad at the humans. And so that's going to agitate those people, you know, the, the scroll uh, community to really take a set against the humans. That's the only thing that okay. I can think of. Okay. I know that's the... That Most makes fun. sense, but I get no sense of that from Gravik. Correct. Right. right. Yeah. It, it only goes into uh, Gravik's revenge plot against yes. Fury. Yes. That yes. We feel. Yeah. And that yeah. is so, like, what you just said, what you just laid out, that, okay, all right. He's Maybe he's working for them, you know, yeah. in, the, oh. in the greater scheme of things, right? Uh-huh. I can think of that. I can say maybe yeah. he's working for the Emperor to make this a new, a new Skrullo so all the other exiled um, scrolls or homeless, planetless scrolls can come to the earth and make it their own. Right. Do Maybe we get a sense that's what he's doing? Week. No. Maybe that'll be the reveal. I mean, that's this is my hope now. Is that like next episode, we're good, they're going to show us all their cards and we're going to be like, okay, at least some of this was setting something up. <sighs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, when Rodi Rava walks in, uh, they're like, where's the president and the cleaning ladies? Like right there. And they're like, so everyone just knows classified <laughs> info. Lock this place down. That was a great that, line. Every yeah. once in a while, there's some real yeah, brilliance yeah, in the writing yeah, in the show. Yeah, and that yeah. was a perfect thing. That was a thing. good line. That was yeah. a good I give them credit. <laughs> I mean, I guess, especially if you think about if they had to do that because of something like COVID. And they're just like, okay, let's just poke fun at this. Like, right. right. <laughs> so Fury, he's suddenly uh, in Rhodey's face with a gun and says, uh, in order, and Rhodey says, in order to out me, you're going to have to kill me, but you don't want to do that because you're not ready to die. So I'm like, well, what does he mean you're not ready to die? Because Fury will get shot as soon as he yeah, shoots Rhodey? Okay. If he shoots okay. Rhodey, then the security guy will shoot uh, Fury. Okay. And then and then announces that the footage of you killing Maria is about to release, like regardless of what happens here, I guess. And I did laugh when uh, Fury just like punched Rudy upside the head. <laughs> it was funny. It was a very funny little scene. Um, and then, yeah, we we get that wall of suit with guns that you mentioned uh, and says, yeah, get within 100 yards of the president's big threat, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Fury says, tell Gravik I'm coming. And Rhodey says, tell him yourself. Like, yeah. Oh. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> right, you got guy. his number? Because uh-huh. I think... <laughs> Fury would love to give him a call. What confused me about this scene was if Fury is, if Ravik, or I mean, if Rhodey Rava has already released the footage, why not just shoot him right there? And, you know, Fury's badass enough that he can, you know, maybe jump back from that. And so that the security guy is, a you know, like, you know, he could, Fury could beat this guy in a gunfight, no doubt. He's got, and this, this is the guy with the broken arm, right? Mm, Who's still right. in a sling, so... <laughs> Why not just kill Rava right then and be done with that part of it and take, you know, a very major piece off the board for Gravik and secure the presidents, uh, you know, that he doesn't have somebody whispering in his ear in, in that regard. And you're f- one step further into to defeating Gravik. And then for Rava not to kill Gravik, he's outgunned 10 to 1. So what you were going to kill him, you were going to have Vera kill him before. So why don't you kill him now? I, I didn't understand any of this yeah. other than the fact that I loved to see uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Don Cheadle 
in a tight scene like this, right. uh, really having fun as actors, you know, doing yeah. Yeah. that my, was my, great. My Definitely. complaints about the show have nothing to do with the acting, I think. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, let's, let's the put cast that is, out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all doing their jobs really well. But I, I love Don Cheadle and Samuel L. Jackson having that that tete a tete was <laughs> a real a real joy. But yeah, otherwise I, I I was this is a real WTF moment for me. Yeah, and then uh, but then thankfully we're rescued by the presence of Sonia Falsworth. Um, <laughs> and Olivia Coleman has entered the chat. Uh, we are at in the office of Derek Weatherby, who's that uh, ginger bearded guy played by Tony Curran. Um, and he, the one that we know that uh, Sonia was speaking to previously and apparently is her boss, we find out this episode. Uh, right. And he's a scroll and he's looking, watching the uh, news, how Fury's wanted for Maria, got a little smirk on his face. Um, and also apparently Fury's being investigated for his involvement in the Ritzen attempt. And Sonia's announced and he tries to wave her off, but uh, it's Sonia. So that's obviously not going to work. Um, so he says to her, like, do you really believe scrolls could be amongst us? And she's like, derp, hi, scroll, gun to head. <laughs> and she's like, give me Dr. Dalton's location and uh, then shoots him through the hand and leg. And when the hand starts turning scrolly, she can show it to security to get them on her side. So, yeah. And she's like, so talk or nothing to stop me from killing you. So I guess he's still alive. I think we'll see him again. No. <laughs> I think with this show, probably not. <laughs> he's on, I think he's gone. Yeah, oh, he served his purpose, I guess. Uh, yeah, but I want to um, know, like, what happens to like? Does he is he kept in a prison somewhere? Is he like he's not sent back to the scrolls, right? No, no, clearly, I think the British intel would, yeah, certainly put their hands on him and lock him up somewhere for intel, detain him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia, thank right. you. Thank you, Sonia. Olivia Coleman. Thank you, Sonia. Just thank you for being delightful and everything. Just walking yeah. into the room, that was that was awesome. Seeing her, you know, that little she had a little smirk on her face almost right. know, as she confronts him. Yeah, <laughs> so it was really, really cool, really great acting. I, I, I just love her in this I, I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely the best thing to come out of this show. Yeah, and then we get uh Gravik's beatdown scene back in New Scrollos where uh, Beto wants a chat with Gravik and everybody's like watching. They're all sort of sitting there like a gang in like a 90s after school special movie. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> and Gravik's like, uh, Pagan failed us. Uh, you're you're scared? And he's like, maybe a little. And then just picks up the phone and ignores him because I guess he like he's like really trying to get everyone to hate him. Like it's a personal mission of his. Uh, Did you yeah. notice the he had that bowl of sugar there? Uh, next to his coffee. Oh, okay. Yes. They didn't show him putting any sugar in there, but I just mm -hmm. noted the the little detail. At least there's a little consistency there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was uh, it was Rava on the phone, and she's like, "President's out of surgery. The plan is on. Once he's awake, I'll send confirmation of the strike." And Gravik's like, "Because you know what happens if you don't." I know. And I'm, yeah. but I'm like, what is the point of threatening death on everyone if you just make it clear that you're just gonna kill people left and right anyway like like yeah. sure you you might kill me if i do you might kill me if i don't so i might as well do what i want right right yeah, yeah. it was a it was a very empty gestured comment it, it really doesn't serve the story yeah and then uh 
somebody else is uh is sick of graphic shit and a guy walks up behind him with a hammer <laughs> and 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 just like four of them attack while everybody else stands back and watches um i'm like hey you guys you know he has superpowers right like <laughs> which is why i think they did the group attack and they were trying to right. Uh, right. you know hold him down and do all right. of that that yeah. stuff why it took so long for them to come around to, to with the guy with the knife or aren't there any guns here i it just felt I granted it was a, you know, kind of a cool fight scene, but it just seemed like an inefficient way to try to take Gravik out. Just yeah. walk in with a gun and shoot him in the head. You know, like yeah. what, what, what? <laughs> just, or just yeah, walk in five people him. walk yeah. in and just, you know, all, yeah. all go. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think you have to like guillotine because the, the extremists will heal him. That's, that's true. A good so point. He that's, did get shot in the head last episode. Right. Yeah. That's so true. That's oh, yeah, why, that's true. You I are, think that's why they were trying to hold him down. Mm-hmm. You know, because they knew that the guns wouldn't do anything. Right. So okay, kind of, when I was watching, it made sense to me. Okay. Um, I thought it was a cool fight scene. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. I think, yeah. were they go, were they going to try to sort of do a vampire thing on him and go for the heart? I think so. Go for okay. the heart or go, or chop his head off. Or right. Something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Highlander style. And maybe, yeah. maybe that was the bag to suffocate him, to weaken him so that he, yeah. he yeah. would be disoriented. Yeah. And but, they could. The guy, I mean, so the guy that I was calling Red Shirt last episode, another one who I think with Beto had scenes cut where, you know, because he was also supposed to be part of that submarine. Uh, mm, right. But yeah, he, but he had a knife. It looked like maybe a cutting out heart knife, but I don't know. Mm. You could get a head off with it. Mm, right. Uh, I think this is, a, there is some interesting stuff here in terms of scroll v scroll as Gravik gains power and is getting very heady with his power. He's more willing to expend, not only expend scroll life, but to take scroll life himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is having, obviously he's being very short-sighted with all this stuff, but that seems to me to be something that is a little, is very transgressive within scroll society here. And to the point that if we go back to that secret council meeting, there was the one scroll woman who, said like hey i'm not down for this yeah surely yeah yeah and you know she wasn't killed yeah what happened to her what happened <laughs> exactly <Shirley>? where is she <laughs> right so Shirley uh. wasn't killed and that was back when gravic was being more careful and following the norms of scroll society i guess and then after uh, he killed the one guy who was um, tortured by Sonia. Yeah. Um, and Night so, broken. you know, yeah. yeah. And then he, you know, obviously he shoots Gaia. So as he is getting a taste for eliminating his political enemies, especially if they're scroll, that is putting him further and further outside the norms of scroll society. I don't know that much about scroll society, so I could be mm -hmm. wrong. But at least in the show context, that's what it's feeling like to me. Absolutely. Is that uh, his his transgressions are uh, going to be a downfall for him. Yeah, right. because he could see they're setting him, they set him up to be the anti Talos, right? Talos goes yes. through everything right. to, to try to keep scrolls alive, not take right. any scroll lives. Whenever he's in combat or with Nick, you know, he's trying to stop scrolls from dying. So um, Gravik has totally thrown that to the wayside and said, you know, I'm willing to do whatever I want to do to get my vengeance on Nick Fury. Right. I, this is them. They're like attacking him. And this is presumably before they even know that he's trying to get the president to nuke 
their right. home. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> exactly. And yeah, and then he, you know, drags Beto out there to, you know, make an example of him. Jeez. Beto calls him nothing but a monster and he just like slits <sighs> his throat. Just okay, yeah, that's gonna I mean, they're Again. all mad at you. Yeah, they're all mad at you for that you just keep killing people willy-nilly. So do keep some more. Scrolls. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Sorry, right. scroll people. Yeah, scroll people are people too. Yes, they are. <laughs> all right, I think this is a good opportunity for us to take a break. So we'll be right back after this. Okay, and we're back. So, Alicia, this uh, scene with Nick and Guy, you want to run us through it? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we see Nick entering a building in the city with the key. It kind of looks like a youth hostel. Is this where they were meeting in 92? Yes. Yes, yeah. it looks like. This yeah. is yeah. the community center in Yeah, and, and, and Guy says, I remember playing beneath this mural when I was a kid, and I forget what it meant. And so then Fury launches into, you know, a little history lesson about... Um, during World War II, Nazis practically destroyed this area, and Brixton became a haven for immigrants from uh, from the West Indies. You know, because I guess you know, the when you destroy an area of the city, then uh, it's the new people who are given it to live in. And yeah, and Guy asks, "Is this why you chose this place?" And I feel like there's depth in Fury's response, but maybe you guys can explain it to me better. But he says, the path of struggle is steep. I feel stronger here. Talos did too. So he's saying he chose it because he identifies with the struggle there. Do you, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's what he's saying. And, you know, the history of, of civil rights, the the Commonwealth, you know, often mirrors the history of civil rights in the United States. Sure. So, you know, the diaspora have been fighting for their civil rights in, in England, just as the diaspora in the United States has fought for their civil rights. So when he says he feels stronger here, the struggle, you know, it, it kind of like grounding him in, in that universal struggle for equality for to make okay. things better, right? Mm-hmm. What threw me off was that he says that, and when Guy says, "I I, I forget what what the meaning was," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I laughed out loud when <laughs> he said those words because the majority of the scrolls that we saw in that opening episode were, were all white. white. <laughs> yeah, they were all white, and. If you're going to talk about the struggle specifically to what it means to Nick Fury, which is, again, I don't understand a lot of what background is in in this story. Like I'm getting lost in it. I thought it meant one thing, but what does it really mean? Because I didn't believe that Nick Fury in 92, when we saw that, when he was meeting with the Skrulls the first time, I didn't think that he had that intention in that meeting. It seemed to me as a very very much of a, you know, you help me, I'll help type of situation. Not this, you know, overall, you know, the struggle feels, I feel stronger because of the struggle. That I didn't get any of that sense in that first scene, right? right? I, it was very much a business proposal. It had yeah, it nothing like to do- like just words on paper now. Yeah, yeah, it had nothing to do with e- fighting for equality, fighting for your rights, fighting for anything other than, you know, I can use these these people, I can use these aliens- to protect what I need to protect. What does that have to do with the struggle mm-hmm. now that he's talking about? Because it wasn't apparent in that first scene with them. So yeah. it left me really confused as to where did this come about for Nick Fury? Because we don't get a sense of that. I don't get a sense of that growth from yeah. when he first proposed an alliance with the Skrulls 
to this, you know, fighting for civil, for, for fighting the struggle, you know, feeling mm-hmm. stronger in, in the groundness and in, in, in the rooting of the struggle. I don't get a sense of how he evolved into that. Where, where does it come from? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm confused about like, they seem to be wanting to draw some parallels between, you know, as you were saying earlier, David, the xenophobia or just, you know, immigration and, uh, yeah, this blending of cultures and, and immigration in general, which is a very pertinent, uh, topic for today. But then what parallel are they trying to, to draw? Because here Gaia says, uh, Talos died a foreigner, like the immigrants who came to Brixton, like he made this his home. So, and this is all that Gaia has ever really known. So I feel like, you know, if, if her generation were somehow being pushed out of earth, um, which isn't something we've really seen, there's been like vague threats of, well, they might push us out, but if we saw them actually being pushed out, then it, we could understand more, you know, where they get this revolutionary, you know, why, yeah, right. Right, so, why uh, they want to get violent. and the, But then the other question is, or should I be considering this like what was happening with ISIS and Gravik is ISIS, where they would reach out to people who felt isolated and, you know, uh, um, try to isolate them even further and indoctrinate them with uh, radical thinking to get them to, you know, come live under their rule. But neither of those things make sense to me because... They haven't spelled it out. No, they haven't. And when she says, you know, I forget what the mural... Um, means they don't even uh, linger on the right. mural. Right. They, they don't even what, show us the story right. of the mural. So to me, you know, he's talking about the struggle. You know, feeling stronger in the struggle. She's talking about I forgot what the mural means. I'm assuming the mural has something to do with the struggle, right? So how do you forget the struggle? Yeah, yeah, you, you don't forget the struggle mm-hmm. unless you're you're living outside of the struggle. So how did you how did you forget this? It, it, the whole scene to me made me question some of the things that you guys are bringing up about, you know, what the show is trying to talk because that scene made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. And I think uh, we were talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier in previous episodes. And I think um, they also were trying to go for this topic and they fumbled it, but I feel like this one's fumbling it even harder. And and this scene, definitely. On this, on this yeah. particular topic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Gaia says, I ran away from my parents because I knew he would lose. Uh, so which doesn't really make her super likable. <laughs> but okay. And uh, Fury says, he didn't lose. He chose the path of struggle. Like what the, what does that he, mean? Gandhi? <laughs> yeah, like, I, there's so many, so many things going on here. Right. Yeah. He's like, like don't let the- your grief paralyze you. <laughs> let let this character death motivate you. Is that fridging? Does that d- yeah. define oh, a fridging? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, but it's a major character, you know, Talos. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He says Talos told me about your extremist resurrection, and she said I had no other choice. Which I don't know why she feels like she has to defend this decision. Nothing has been established to make us think any character would think less you, of her. But, yeah, why don't you right. embrace that decision? Yeah. And I, exactly. I, I, in a in a show, it, it's a very cheap thing in my opinion to do to make a character's motivation i had no choice i was boxed yeah. in the corner i had to make this decision it's like really you know it's yeah. it's just such a throwaway line it's just such a meaningless line at this stage it made it made me feel like it, the decision wasn't hers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah if that Where makes if sense she, right yeah, yeah she she's if she said to him I made the decision because I needed to do yes. X, Y, or Z. It gave yes. me this advantage. It gave me this power. Yes. I needed to. Yeah, that then Gaia would have been a real strong character rather as than- As a fighter. I, exactly. 
She's a freedom fighter. That's what they want yeah. us to believe, right? She's right. a freedom fighter. Why? My father was weak, but I was strong, so I took the decision to alter my DNA, and so I can defeat. Yeah. You know, oh, no, cool, I, right? That's cool motivation. I, I'm there's some things that. to talk about when when you say yeah. it like that way. You know what I mean? I would take the, I would, uh, you know, alter my DNA to get superpowers just because the option was available. So, <laughs> yeah, basically, I think most of us would. Yeah, if it, so she tells Fury what DNA the scrolls have. You know, the uh, Groot and the Call Obsidian and blah blah blah, and they. That they were the second choice because he couldn't find, quote unquote, the harvest, the title of this episode. Yeah, I don't know why Fury would be surprised because he already knows about the extremists. So why wouldn't he think that he, they have the others? And yeah, Guy is like, I need to bury my father. And he and he's and Fury. Yeah. So I need to bury my father. He says, take him to Priscilla, which I have questions about, like, why? I guess because Priscilla can help with the with the scroll rights. I guess I just answered that question I was bothered by. And he says, I'm off to Finland. <laughs> of all places. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I was thinking about it because there's some stuff later where I'm like, why would they choose Finland? But then I realized because of the border with Russia. Oh, okay. Right. But then he has a private jet, so he could go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. But maybe that was the closest um, harvest because he does say he has multiple stashes for the right. harvest DNA. So yeah, maybe that's a good, that's a good headcanon that it's the closest for him to get to the quickest. Yeah, because at some point they say when he's driving with Sonya later, they say like XXX miles from the Russian border. So they right. want us to think about that for some reason. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah. So maybe setting that up for the final episode. And then the scene ends with my least favorite joke of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Gaia says, don't worry about me. I'll put on a good face because she's a scroll. Get it? Get it, guys? Get it? <laughs> All right. But luckily, Sonya's back again. Just <laughs> And she shows up at the uh, scroll doctor couples. Well, although I'm guessing like the humans are couples, but it doesn't give me the feeling that these two scrolls actually like each other at right. all. Right. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. It does feel Agreed. like there's some antagonism there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Hello, scrolls. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Who would you like me to be? Nigel, gotta fire or shoot someone. And, uh, the, the husband says, my name is Victor. And no, darling, Nigel's the one with the gun to your head. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> I enjoyed that. A uh, little bit of uh, Olivia Coleman footsie, you know, yes. playing, playing yeah. footsie. Yeah. And um, and Sonia, she now she has the blueprint for the giant magic science ball. And she confiscates she confiscates other stuff in the lab, but then burns the lab. So like, yeah. why does she need to burn the lab? I don't get that. I don't get if that either. If you take the stuff um, out of it. Yeah, yeah, or or just lock it down. It's now an SIS black site, yeah. you know. And it yeah, no sense. Yeah, yeah, because no that just sense. draws attention. No, but okay. Yeah, now yeah. you got a fire. Now you got to bring in a bunch of firefighters to yeah. come put out the blaze. But how how whatever. how do they know they got everything they need to get? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like totally. you would not burn that that down. They would not burn it down until like team came in to do a proper sweep. Yeah, there's exactly. no yeah. way that they Collect would have up done everything. that. Yeah, but who is no Sonya working with now? Because she seems like completely on her own. Well, she's the head of the SIS now. Now, yeah, but yeah, but where doesn't she have people work? I don't know. She's always. I on guess her she own. reports to the prime minister, the prime minister, who's a scroll. Yeah, who's a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Victor's like, we won't. I won't let her. The female Dr. Dalton betray Gravik, um, let us go or I kill her. And Sonia's like, I don't doubt you will. Males of my species always gaslighting you or threatening you with murder. It's what all the podcasts are about. I, yeah, I found that annoying line because was, like, yeah. obviously like I, I am a feminist. But, and a like, podcaster. Let's, 
and a podcaster. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was a dig. Yeah. At, I mean, but that was obviously a dig at true true crime. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, it's trying to be contemporary. And, yeah, and trying I think to be contemporary. But it's it's just anytime that you're like, oh, well, all men are gaslighting and threatening you with murder. Like, well, okay, like if we lose all nuance, then we've lost the conversation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we it, you're undermining the fact that there really are people doing that if you make it like, oh, everyone of one gender is like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, she shoots him in the head, and we got. Purple blood, purple <laughs> blood, which is yeah, handy reminder. That it's purple blood because later we see, uh, we see red blood. So then we know that those people are humans. Right. right. Okay. So we are uh, back with Talos's body. We have Gaia. She was in the van with Talos's body, and we lost that scene from the trailer of her crying over his body in the field, which I felt like was going to be really powerful. But this was this was kind of powerful, just seeing her alone in the van with her dead father at her feet. Just want to acknowledge that that was uh, right. The again, the camera work there was doing a lot of the work. Right. Yeah. So she goes to Priscilla's house, and so Priscilla's still there. We'll get to that. Um, then calls her Professor Davis and introduces herself. But don't they? Don't Wouldn't they, they know, know each other? other? Yeah. That's yeah what don't I they thought. like grow up with her? Like I was I, very confused about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And me, uh, the only way I explained it in my head canon, and and it's actually a mark of a show that if I have to do a lot of head canon work, then yeah, you're not doing great on the on the backside here. But my guess is that since the scrolls are out. around around the world doing stuff. It's not like they have a annual conventions or get togethers. So she hasn't seen her maybe since she was a child and didn't recognize her. But this one feels different to me because okay. the, the importance of the characters, right? There's no way. Talos's that, daughter. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Exactly. How does yeah. it, there's no way they wouldn't know each other in my mind. Yeah. Okay. So we cut back to the hospital and Ritson's like, I feel helpless. And Rava's like, I'm awake after having my chest and my abdomen. (laughs) What is it? Laparoscopy. Laparoscopy. Yes. And yeah. So I feel helpless. As you saw, the scrolls aided in that attack. So get them and you'll feel better. Right. Um, right. The Russians deny it, but Sonia sent us evidence, which we get back to later and then um got a level new scrollos england not the uk so like what in what level like that would you be referring to england supporting you not britain at least right Um, right right. and then so yeah so i guess that means the council hasn't turned on gravic yet says this proof will convince the rest of nato to strike russian soil so again we're trying to start world war three uh so let's like we should have a drinking game every time they say world war three in this show um (laughs) and rava says war is better than extinction which is another like you think that sounds profound i guess and which is yeah scroll invasion means extinction so but there is actually layers in that argument because like so you you have a scroll saying that to a human, a scroll invasion means extinction. So it means your extinction means, and uh, is that what you really believe? Or are you just saying that? Because that's what you need to say right now. I, this, this is the scene that really just set me into a tailspin because <laughs> I'm watching and I'm sitting there and I'm saying to myself, where are the other advisors to the present? Why is Rava Road? the only person in his like mm-hmm. it, it 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 makes zero it sense. strains credibility and yeah. it, and if it is the truth that he doesn't listen there's no other council president then at least show me how that came to be right show me how this person became the most trusted and only advisor to the president right now there's nothing to lead me to to understand why 
This is the only person who's talked to president about any of this stuff. They just had an attack on the president of the United States. He's in the hospital in a foreign country. Where are the rest? Where's the rest of the government? Like, yeah. where's the rest of his administration? Not even the government, his administration. Like, even even if you had uh, COVID restrictions on actors and rooms and things like that. Oh, I, you know, Mr. President, I just spoke to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They're ready to do this. You know, the director of the CIA, blah, blah, blah. There's no reference to the power structures of the EU. No know, one the, is the, calling. The vice president is safe in uh, right. Ohio's blah, right. blah, blah. There's no, there's no realistic appreciation of the power structures that surround right. uh, this this office, this world leader's office. Who's calling to find out, you know, how's the president? Who's right. on the phone? There's nothing. There's there's no yeah. It's just Rody. Colonel. A colonel. It's just Colonel Rody. Right. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. This is... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of Bush League uh, uh, writing on the set. Yeah. So. That's, that's, that's the one that sent me. So, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this is a hot podcast. We are, we are unhappy. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to remind folks, too, the reason we, we're, we care about this story, we right. care about Nick Fury, we care about the MCU, so it's not like we, we want this to be a good show, so. Well, and I was thinking about it. Like, I just saw, um, I just saw the new Indiana Jones this week, and yeah. I don't think that it's necessarily any better than this. But I got less mad at it because I just don't care as much about Indiana Jones as right. I do about okay. Marvel. All right. so, yeah, there you exactly. go. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, fine, whatever. Whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and I was thinking about this today that you know, I. It, for an MCU show, I'm mad at it. For if I compare it to, you know, I brought up some other Marvel shows outside the MCU. Uh, compared to that, I'm grateful. Yes, 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 yeah. absolutely, absolutely. But still, this is a what the f. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just there's so much potential there, and then it's just the, this laziness the with all the details, yes. with all the details of the plot and the dialogue and the. I agree. I agree. That's a really good point. The that the story potential of this setup, secret invasion, scrolls, Nick Fury, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, huge potential. And the characters huge are getting char- wasted. All of yeah. it. The mm-hmm. actors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the actors. Just... Yeah. So yeah. So uh, Fury strikes a deal with Gravik. Um, I'll bring me the harvest. Gravik says, and I'll call the whole thing off. And <laughs> bring some iodide right. pills. He says to stave off reactive room radiation. And we get to Fury gets a private plane, and we get a cameo. It's Rick. May- Mason from Black Widow, who's uh, O.T. Fagbenle, who's some people might recognize him from Handmaid's Tale, if not from Black Widow. And oh, and he has my birthday, I learned when I looked him up. So just fun fact. (laughs) And he says, uh, congrats, not everyone gets an Interpol red notice. And I think the actor, this is another one where the actor is just so good and the way he delivers the lines is so much better than the lines he's being given to deliver. Yeah, exactly. Remind me who he is in the other storylines. In Black Widow, he's the one who, he played the same role in Black Widow where he was helping her get planes. Get around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the tech oh, guy. right. Oh, right. Oh, right. Like right. The logistics yeah. guy. Logistics. Yeah. So they're just doing a little connective tissue here. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up in Thunderbolts or something. Yeah. Hopefully. Maybe. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. And he says, a helicarrier has been mothballed, which I'm like, <laughs> budget, LOL. Well, and why would they let Fury have a helicarrier? And why did he mention but it? But then he tells him that he's. It's been mothballed like you should be. I'm like, why is this script so mean? Why does it make everyone so mean spirited? (laughs) And he tosses him a pack that we learn is like the IDs and the uh, widow's veil. Right. Tells him to get an F, grumpy. 
And then we cut back to uh, we we got our girl power scene. Yes, <laughs> we've got Gaia and uh, we've got Gaia and Vara at the funeral pyre, pyre. And there was there was some really nice stuff in here. Uh, you know, Gaia yeah. is like he he was our general. He deserves more. He uh, should have all like a whole parade. And Vara Priscilla says he wasn't into pad- pageantry. She asks for an offering and gives the mother's ring and uh, helps Gaia with prayer because Gaia doesn't know it, which is like an interesting, there's interesting stuff there that Gaia, she doesn't, she isn't that in touch with her own culture that she's fighting for, you know? Right, right. I felt this too was a a potentially, there's good stuff here and they're they're touching on it in terms of diaspora, in terms of multi-generational connectivity to faith, you know, religion of your, you know, that whatever dominant religion might be practiced by your, your people. All of this stuff is really fascinating and it gets just, you know, we're just very quickly through it and there's no exploration of it. There's no depth to it. I didn't feel sad at all watching this funeral scene, which it should be a very poignant and, and moving scene. Right, and especially because it it's Talos, yeah. Yeah. Especially because it's Talos, who we've come to know and like, you know? Regardless of his uh, fumbling idealism. Right. Absolutely. Right, <laughs> right. But yeah, so yeah, Guy's feeling guilty. The last thing she said to him was that he was a failure, and Priscilla's like, that's normal. And obviously, Guy is like, why, TF, are you still here obediently waiting your execution for insubordination? How ironic is that? Um, And then Vara gives like a speech about how um, she's loved this house since she saw it 15 years ago, which is interestingly the same uh, timeline that Rhodey said about the scroll mission. Right. But then it's like, why? You, this house is clearly about to get wrecked. Why you want to you want to uh, bring the people with the guns and to there to fight? Okay, fine. But she says the house offered the three things uh, Fury valued the most, privacy, security, and light. Then they they have a conversation. This is, for me, it's my favorite conversation in in this episode because it reminded me of a conversation I used to have with my grandmother where she's like, you know, Gaia's like questioning, you know, why would you be with someone who could never get lost watching you in your own skin? And um, Priscilla's like, yeah, it's none of your business. And, yeah, um, yeah. And Gaia's like, oh, I didn't mean to offend you. And Priscilla's like, yes, yeah, you did. You did because <laughs> the young think they know everything, but they don't know what it takes. So yeah, that re- I, I that was a good conversation. Yeah, that was that was great. That was a great scene. I like I like this overall scene. Like you, David, I didn't feel sad watching, um, but there is so much potential in the story that they could be telling in this scene. Yeah, you know with second generation, you know, children of immigrants losing that feel for what their parents' culture was, becoming immersed in, in the new culture that they have. But again, I'm saying this and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, if she doesn't even know like the prayer for the funeral rites, then where where is she in her, you know, recognition of her heritage? Mm-hmm. And why is she fighting so hard against her her parents? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seems to me like her parents are the ones trying to preserve what they had and and trying to make it into something new, right? Where Gravik is trying to destroy the new to bring about the old. But Gaia has no sense of what the old is. So, right, right, right. There's a discontinu- discontinuity there. For me, yeah. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. and I just didn't, again, it's, it's making me question question her her motives 
mm-hmm. in, in in this in this series, and I'm back to thinking like maybe she's just again mad at her parents, just like Gravik is mad at Nick Fury, which again is all an interesting storyline of the younger generation of a displaced culture trying to find itself at the same time of just dealing with youth and parents, right? That struggle of as as youth come into age, they want to individuate. They want to take right. on agency. They want to go out into the world and make a mark and do stuff where parents are like, eh, you might want to reconsider some of the decisions that you're right, trying to make here. Exactly. Right, all of that is fascinating. That's all really great character and story development. And they hint at that in, mm. in the scene which is great, but it just makes me want more of it, right? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> I, wished, I wish I had gotten more of it and mm. I'm not going to get more of it because we only have one more episode left. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Charlene Woodard, um, the actress who plays Varsilla, she's great. killing it. We've oh, uh, yeah. mentioned yeah. her before, but, yeah, she's but awesome. she, she really like is selling her part. And I realized that I recognize her from, she played the dance instructor in Pose for anyone else who's watched that Ryan Murphy show. I haven't watched it. But then, yeah, her speech is interrupted by <laughs> a gunshot. <laughs> a glass explodes. And uh, so they run into the plant room and it turns out that there's Wasn't handy that backpacks. A- the sorry, wasn't that part of the tea set? She she lingers over the tea set at a moment a lot, when she's yeah. talking with her. So that gives us this oh, feeling okay. of connectivity with Fury and their yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I want to go back just really quickly too to the this whole parent young uh, adult you know youth sort of thing. That uh, when Priscilla is offended by Gaia's comment, she says to Gaia, "You you don't understand what it takes to build a life and to build and maintain a, a relationship." And I did feel that line, mm-hmm. and I did find that very very potent. And they're talking about mixed race marriage as well, mm-hmm. which is granted she's in disguise, but still there there's still a, a greater psychological burden there. And so I felt that that was also uh, you know reaching out into our modern day society and talking about some of those issues as well as when you know people with different physical looks decide to get you know and from different cultures decide to get married and how how different that relationship is because it you right. do stand out from the norm and so that requires something different and so when she says you know it took a lot for Nick and I to build a relationship it, and so those two things layered over the top of each other I felt were Again, a flash of brilliance in this. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that's what. But I thought that question that Gaia asked was valid. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was. I didn't think it was mean spirited or meant no. to offend. Even though, yeah, kind of, it was meant to offend. <laughs> Let mm-hmm. me say that. But it was a valid question for for them. You know, for for their their people. You you love him. He loves you. Can you be yourself, or do you put on this face? for him to be able to love you in the way that you love. And I think that's valid. Right. And yep. we don't get an answer to that. I, I would love to get an answer. To that. Right, right. Because mm-hmm. we're interrupted. <laughs> yeah. And so they they head to the plant room and they pull out these like handy backpacks full of guns. But then it's like, wait, why did she need that gun from the lockbox again? <laughs> <laughs> what was that whole thing about? Okay. Oh. Anyway. And then we get. Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> She's got a pump action shotgun in a drawer yeah. in her yeah. lab. Uh, like, yeah, oh, okay, all right. 
We got to move on. We got to move on. I don't. And want then to get we get stuck we in get the, the yeah. one line the one line that passes the Bechdel test. That's not about a man. Uh-huh. She she looks at Gaia and says, "You good?" <laughs> 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 Boom. And then yeah, we know that it's humans because there's red blood that's splashing around. So right. like, oh. who's sending them and why are they sending humans? Do you think that was a production oversight or do you think that was intentional? I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I assume they, they were just cold. reminded us of the purple blood. So yeah, I mm. thought it was intentional. Yeah, it must I thought be. I thought it was. You know, um, what was the the prime minister? The, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Oh, maybe saying that the this is an enemy of the state or something. Yeah, but I do like. Um, I think the actresses have forms a, a nice chemistry. You know, there's a real bond between them when they part in the car with warmth. Yes. Be yeah. careful. Yeah. And then and we- We hmm? get some, it's very, again, going back to Mr. and Mrs. Smith's sort of style mm-hmm. thing Action. where they've got yeah. each other's back and they're yeah. swinging around mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And it was, was fun fine. just to see- yeah. I enjoyed it. You know, two women protagonists kicking ass, you know, shooting a bunch of red shirts. It was it was fun. Yeah, it was a fun scene. If, uh, I, if I wish I could disengage my brain because I think that's the problem. I think, yeah, I'm shooting myself in the foot by, you know, overthinking things. Okay, so then we flash to Finland to wrap up the episode and we see an old white man named Johannes Kerhunen, which is clearly fury. We see that there's a notice um, at the passport check that with Fury's picture on it. And we notice that the man only says good morning because Fury probably can't speak Finnish <laughs> without an accent. <laughs> and then when we go into the parking lot, we see, yeah, he pulls off this face mesh and it was the widow's veil, which is something yeah. we've seen in previous things like uh, Winter Soldier, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and apparently they dropped intel. There's a new version that can cloak the entire body. So I feel like what do you think the chances are that's showing up in the finale, David? Probably pretty high, and if they're if not in this one, in future MCU for sure. Yeah, th- that's a very MCU thing to do is throw a little seed kernel out into the middle of the story that it's, that feels like a throwaway line. But if you know, you know, and then you can feel your little momentary cleverness in the right. movie or show right. that referenced that. So. Well, now we finally get our second dose of Sonia. She puts on some rap and and he says, is this what we're doing? She's like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. What was that? I, I, I was confused. Was, yeah, was it even was. a good song? I don't, I didn't recognize the, the song. We heard like two seconds of it and then yeah. like never again. It would yeah. be one thing if it was like something we- An ongoing gag. Yeah. Knew about Sonia's character or something. Yeah. Right. Lazy. And then, yeah, we got that notice. They're 294 kilometers from Russia's border, which is 183 miles. So this is why Finland, but even though, yeah, later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to the grave, but it doesn't make, it's like they don't know anything about the culture or language of Finland, the people mm-hmm. who wrote this. And then he, yeah, he says, Priscilla and I honeymooned here, scrolls like the cold. And mm. so uh, this is when Sonia realizes that- She twigs, you know, yep. That, yeah, Priscilla was a scroll. And he's like, well, now you understand. Um, so that was kind of a touching moment, that exchange. I like that. Right. We find out that uh, Sonia didn't know that Rhodey was a scroll, And Whoops. find out she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who the hell isn't a scroll these days? Like, ha, 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 I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she also doesn't understand Gravik's stupid plan. And this is where we finally find out what the harvest is. So apparently yes. the, the Battle of Earth, that's basically the battle that happened in Advent- Avengers Endgame. And so all of the Avengers, including Carol Danvers, was specifically name-checked, spilled blood. 
and scrolls were sent in to collect the DNA led by Gravik. Yeah, this is why Fury feels responsible. Um, and he says this is why he came back. So apparently it wasn't to Soren's death or for his wife. And then so we are in this Scandinavian cemetery. We got uh, Sonia throws out a seventh seal reference from the Ingmar Bergman film, where she says, <laughs> I should have brought my scythe. Yeah. <laughs> and he says to her, you taught me only dead men keep secrets. Did I miss that from this show? Or is that like, because I want to see that story. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it would be a good, a good story. Sonia and Fury on the road, you know? Yeah, that would be fun. That's exactly what I was thinking. That would, yeah. yeah, That would be cool. Or young That's Sonia sure and Fury. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. DH them. I want these two actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These two actors, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the grave, it's Fury's grave. Uh, and he says, we've had, I have these graves all over the place. Dead may need options because we also saw one at the end of Winter Soldier. Okay. And Good pick. So apparently it's a dead drop. I and like against, the... You know, the breath thing that was a fun little twist they've done a, f- a couple of fun twists liquid tracker and yeah uh, mm-hmm. this night so they've dropped some interesting technology and the idea yeah. that it's not a physical print that can be reproduced or an eye retina scan they they did put some thought into here like what could Definitely. be another way to identify mm-hmm. and so i thought the breath was a fun twist on the whole uh, identity verification trope in the thing so yeah agree. very cool I agree Credit where credit's due, right? Like we got to yeah, give, absolutely. you know. Marvel sci-fi. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and Sonya wants to know why he doesn't call a special friend. So we call back to that. And this time we get like another, we get a different BS reason where he says like, this is personal. None of them know my struggle. So I yeah. can defend the world better myself, which just seems incredibly narcissistic. And I don't understand like give, avoiding giving away their DNA was a better excuse for me than absolutely. I earlier. Yeah. This, I think what this does for me from a storyline is it sets Gravik and Fury into um, opposite, you know, it's a compare and contrast situation. The the big man, only I can solve this problem. I'm the one, I'm, you know, what have you. And so we see with Fury, there's a struggle, there's a, there's a bigger issues at play where I'm, I'm balancing forces and trying to maneuver this, but I, you know, it's still me versus it's me and you're nameless and voiceless. You're my, you know, you're my army and I'm going to use the power as I see fit. So there's a little bit of a, for me, a compare and contrast there between these two, uh, you know, very ego strong leaders, characters in the story. Yeah. And then he says, we have another, like, I don't know, this is clearly written by a man. The only power I have was planted between my ears by a single woman wrapped around my finger by a woman far greater than I could ever hope to be. (sighs) Some pandering. pandering Yeah, it was a strange line. It was a strange yeah. line. And if that ain't enough, I don't know what hope we have. Oh, right. narcissism. Maybe I am just dust. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. <laughs> yeah. And so then we get the, the breathalyzer thing, which indeed that was cool. And we get the vial, which I guess is the harvest. But then what do you, Jean, what do you think? Is that all the DNA mixed together or is that just I, like Carol? I, I was confused as to what was in the vial. So I, I really don't know. I, I don't think it could be all the DNA like put that together. Would I, I would think yeah. it's Carol's because of her importance to the the, the story yeah. of the scrolls on Earth, right? Because she was one of the persons who said that she would help to f- help them find a new homeworld. So I'm I'm thinking, and she defended them from the Kree as well, right? Um, defending the Earth and defending the scrolls from the Kree. So I, I'm thinking it's um it's just Carol's in that yeah. in that file. And uh, and Sonia says, let's give Darwin a leg up. But 
we give Darwin a leg up by injecting Gravik? No, that can't be what they mean. They must mean injecting fury. Like what? Give. I don't know. I don't know who's the. How is Darwin getting a leg up? I don't know who the guinea pig is. I don't know. And yeah, and then so we get the eye scan and the tomb, and so so yeah. An interesting thing about the tomb is it's covered in Norse runes, uh, which which someone decoded. Uh-huh. Yes, someone decoded that it's actually kind of tells Fury's history in the MCU with Thor and Loki, and and that there's like it says "Bad Mother Heart" at the top. <laughs> okay, but here's but here's a problem with this. Like that's really cool and nice idea, but wh- whoever did this obviously doesn't realize that exactly. Finland is the only Scandinavian country yes. that is not Norse. Yes. They speak a completely yes. different language. They have their own history with mythology. gods mythology yes. yeah yes so this is where when you're crowbarring in oh well we've got to be close to the russian border blah 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 yeah. and you're it, that's the job of a writer is to smooth these details out and if you have good consistent writing processes right. you're going to pick up on these details and this kind of stuff is going to get corrected and fixed right smoothed it out. feels so yeah it, it feels like a bunch of people came in afterwards just like poking at the script and then mm-hmm. and this is the thing like i know when i do writing and then people are like oh well, i just i just changed that thing in the article and then just published it like no yeah <laughs> you exactly. don't you don't even see that it doesn't it sticks out like a thor sub now exactly yeah and then and the other thing was so we have inside the tombs we have the the new coats i don't know why we have the eye patch so okay so <laughs> it's a little com- Compartment. Yeah, and each yeah. little compartment has its own thing. But then it's like, well, why the eye patch should mean something, but we don't even know why he took it off in the first place. So mm-hmm. how does it mean something when he puts it back on? Like this should be a powerful moment, but and we don't not. know what it means. And yeah. it's not. It's not powerful. It, it doesn't make me. Maybe they intended for people to be like, "Yay, Nick Fury's back!" Yeah, the trench coat, eye patch. And I heard some people did say that. Really? But, yeah. I, I yeah. was not one of those. No, <laughs> no. I was just like, well, why did he? They never. Told us why he took it off in the first place. So no, what does this he mean? did. He said he wanted to to show his failings or whatever. Oh, okay. I think in I one of the early. So now episodes. he's done showing his failings. Now because... he's back to being super badass, Nick Fury. Right. Yeah. You know, iPad. Bad mother and, heart. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It fell flat. Yeah, because he didn't really have like a reckoning where you know he had people who yelled at him, but then he didn't grow in any way. Nope. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Nope. yeah, and he's just returning to to a, a previous form because he's right. he doesn't have a choice. He's right. been pushed into the corner of like right. he's got a lash Getting out. Getting back the eye patch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I do hope that he gets the superpowers for some reason. I don't know, and maybe his powers can include resurrecting Maria. That would be interesting for him to. That would be an interesting twist for him to take on his own superpowers, and and that would call into a lot of question of of who is Nick Fury now, right? And and why why is he making these choices? And well, I don't know. Maybe he hasn't had this ability because the scroll scientists are the ones who figured out how to right. do this DNA right. combo. Well, stuff, but I so. guess it was the human scientists before them because right. when Gaia figured this. it out, she got exactly. it out the human's head. Exactly. Oh, right, 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 right. Interesting. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's for Nick Fury Jr. The- <laughs> Theories on who he called? Theories on who he called. I mean, I, he named Dr. Carol, yeah. and I guess they're setting up the Marvels. So, yeah. but then it's kind of like, really, is that how we want to end this? Like, I'm not calling the Avengers. I'm not calling the Avengers, but now I'll just call Carol again, like we always do. It would make sense to call Carol because she was responsible with Fury to find right. a, a home world for the right. scrolls. So, right. That makes sense to me. He's got great cell reception <laughs> to be able to call her, you know, intergalactically wherever the heck she is out there. And then in the in the Marvel's trailer that just dropped this week, 
last week. She's on Saber, yeah. Yeah, and he says, where have you been? I called you. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, there you right. go. See, that's a very MCU thing to do, right? To, right. to right. make these kind of little connectivities between the properties. So, I, so let's I see can... if that's the, the call. It would make the so, most sense given that the mar that because they also line these things up. Right. But then so, that means she doesn't show up next episode. So I, exactly. but I feel like I feel like it should at least be somebody who's who gonna shows show up, up who we call. I hope. I hope. I maybe, I, I have no maybe hope. it's Quake. <laughs> I don't even know if I want Quake to show up here. Anymore. I don't I don't think anyone is showing up. Ooh, <laughs> ouch. Wow. Okay. I don't think well, anyone's hey, showing Nick up. Said he wants to do it on his own. Yeah, so. I don't think anyone is showing up. All right. Yeah. I think okay. he makes a call, the call goes unanswered, whether it's to Carol or to whoever. I don't think anyone shows up. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, then we'll come back for Comics Corner and we've got some feedback this week and then we'll wrap it up. And we're back. Jean, you've got some uh, details for us in the comics corner. What's yeah. Up? Yeah. And uh, okay. So this is not direct to the previous Secret Invasion comics, but this is directly to other comics that I feel this series has now. What, what can I say? They've borrowed from, <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. And I don't like it. This reveal of the DNA felt mm-hmm. to me, I didn't like the reveal. And the reason why I didn't like the reveal is because it felt very much like something that I've read before and okay. that something was um, a Batman comic and also a Black Panther comic. 2000, Batman figured out, he said to himself, I've got to find a way to make contingency plans, contingency plans to eliminate them, to kill them. Raz Agul, the, the leader of the League of Assassins and longtime Batman adversary, um, found those plans, used those plans, defeated the JL. Black Panther last year said, I've got to find a contingency plan just in case I need to take out the Avengers. I'm not going to kill them, but I need to do something to incapacitate each and every member. So what did he do? He did exactly that. He even got their DNA so that he mm-hmm. can replicate their superpowers just in case he needed to. What happens? One of his um, members of his secret infiltration force finds these plans. And yes, they actually put them together and take down the Avengers. Sounds really familiar to what I'm watching. And once it was revealed that the harvest, whatever, the DNA was scraped up from the battlefields and we got this DNA and maybe when Sonya says maybe we could jumpstart Darwin, kickstart Darwin, whatever, it made me cringe because I'm just like, all right, they're not doing anything that is new to me. They're not doing anything that's fresh to me. They're telling a, a story that the comic book Secret Invasions did not tell. And I think the show is worse for it. I think the show is worse for it. Okay. So <laughs> there we have it. Yeah. What can we say? <laughs> <laughs> Um, finale, I maybe didn't the mean finale to be is going to change everything. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to, you know, this episode, I really had a hard time with it, as yeah. you guys can tell. No, 
Me too. And I think it's because it's like, I think it's because it's the penultimate episode. And and like, it's like the hope, you know, we keep holding out hope like, oh, now it's going to really turn around. And now it's just like, at this point, you just feel like, no, it's not. It's It's all the stuff we thought they were lining up. At the end of the day, it's just Nick Fury, you know, having a plan to take out the superpowered beings that he knows that he's encountered. Mm -hmm. That's been done in the comics forever. The Skrull invasion would have been interesting if it was actual Skrull invasion. And, and actually showed us an invasion. Instead, right. they just, they're there. <laughs> right. Guess what? There's a million of us here. Uh-huh. The, the, the Skrull infiltration would have been interesting if it was just those 20. Right, right. Who are slowly infiltrating the highest levels of power on the earth. Mm-hmm. How they're doing it. Why they're doing it. That would have been interesting. The Harvest. Not so much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so what do you think is going to happen in the finale? I don't know. Yeah. War it's hard machine. to predict anything with I this mean, show. I mean, Rava gets a suit of armor. I don't know. I, I, okay. So here's a better question. Uh, other than Sonya, obviously, who do we hope that, what characters do we hope we carry out of this series into maybe better MCU offerings? I'm Gaia, Vara. I, 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 and I, I'd love to see Rava come back. Yeah. I think Rava could be a really fun villain. Yeah, and and that's it. Yeah, basically, <laughs> just it's just the female, the surviving females, and Sonya. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we already Nick. No, Nick is not going anywhere. So right, just, true, and I, and the original Rhodey, presumably, we right. get back for Armor Wars. Right. Yeah. So just those four characters, I be great to come back. Yeah, I agree. And Maria Tantalos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maria Hill. She's yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, strange decisions in this show. A lot of strange yeah. decisions. Okay, well, let's uh, move into some feedback. We have on our Discord, we have a Discord server, link in the show notes. Uh, lots of folks chit-chatting about the show, and er- occasionally we're able to grab up a comment or two and apply it. Marilyn Arpila wrote in, she said, my medieval history side has started to kick in here. Uh, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, so I apologize. Uh, maybe Alicia Vortgern? Vortgern. 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 Mm-hmm. Was uh, one of the last of the Romano-British leaders in England post-Roman departure in the 400 CE. They were being troubled by Saxon raids and incursion along what became known as the Saxon Shore. And he actually invited two Saxon warriors to bring their troops and fight on the side of the Romano-Celts against their invaders. Vortigern gave them land of their own. And of course, in the end, they brought in other people and said, right, here we are and we are staying. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. Does this sound familiar to anyone? So yeah, I think this is a sort of historical parallel that they they could have leaned into even more with this. And maybe Mm -hmm. this is also why I liked um, Indiana Jones. No spoilers, but they like very directly lean into something like this uh, okay. in a superficial way but yeah especially since they're they're in Britain mm-hmm. right right like the scrolls that we know of there that's where they're based the right with the in Brixton and yes. yeah right. right so not only do you have this recent history but you have this you know medieval centuries ago history that plays a parallel which would have been a cool thing to see as well and this history that she's talking about uh sets the backdrop for what would become the Arthurian legends uh, 
a little after this in time. So, but setting up the political tensions there. Right, right. Good. All right. We have Hele back who said that we did an okay job pronouncing their name last time. So hopefully I, I am continuing with that. Uh, says there, hey, back with more feedback. Found episode three rather weak. Felt like there was a clear drop in quality for that one. Guy's fake out death actually worked on me in that I thought she was truly gone. Extremis was a nice touch. Agreed. I, I, it, it, Extremis and, and having it was was good overall. So yeah, this leads me to believe that she will be the one fighting Gravik for the big Marvel battle we're pretty much guaranteed to get at the end of episode six. Gotta stick with the same theme of having two people with the same powers fight each other. I hope I had hoped that we'd avoid it, but the writing is on the wall at this point. Any other solutions would be Deus Ex Machina. I had my money on Rhodey taking out Gravik, but with them being a scroll, I don't know, you know, go, we've got Rhodey, who's a man being played by mm-hmm. Rava, a woman. So I truly didn't think he was the one that didn't think that they were a scroll. Uh, Rhodey was a scroll and that threw him for a loop. What do we think about Gaia being the one to take out Gravik in a in a big battle? Obviously, a lot's going to happen, but, you know, are we, are we going to have Gravik and Gaia and Gravik going, I thought I killed you. And then he like whacks her and she's got extremis ah, reveal and now they fight. I was going to say, it's got to be Fury in the end, but then like, I don't want Fury sweeping in to save Gaia either. So I don't know what uh-huh. I want. I, I think they set it up for her to potentially be the one because he's killed both her parents. Mm, true. Yeah. And Pele makes a, a good point here that it's power versus power. There's going to be a reveal, the shock reveal. I killed you. And then, you know, we get the reveal that she has extremis as well. So, yeah, it, it feels like it's heading in that direction for me. That's that's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, continuing, I do believe Gaia will represent a faction of her own with Talos gone and Fury being Fury. I think she'll find a way to work alone. Anytime Fury and Priscilla are on screen together is just pure gold, but the de-aging scenes have overstayed their welcome. Okay, interesting. They've hinted at it a bunch, but I don't think Fury survives the series. Hmm. They are too heavy handed with him being washed up, and I think they're double faking us. The mouse is working really hard at playing 5D chess. <laughs> Agreed that the IP corporate managers are definitely trying to play some 5D chess here. But what do we think? Fury survives. Yes. And uh, Gaia taking on a leadership role within Scroll Society. I, either Fury survives or a scroll plays him in the Marvels because he's in the trailers. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Got to make it out. And and this is where the mouse, you know, is is playing with stuff. I think you've got an actor like Samuel L. Jackson. You don't fridge him or, you know, you don't throw them away. And he's a moneymaker. People go to see, Hmm. you know, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, people go to see certain stars in certain roles. And I think he's definitely a draw for the IP overall. So, all right. They continue. uh, I'm still uncomfortable with the way Fury treats scrolls. And they should have found a new home for them by now. I don't think they actually tried. Fury wants his his band of scroll spies around and we're planning to use that. And we're planning to use them for a career advancement and didn't think that it would bite him in the ass this quick. The blip really things for him. I mean, yeah, come on. There's got to be a planet out there they can have. like <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, and Carol Danvers is, is seeing a lot of the universe. Yeah. So, a lot. Yeah. 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 It is a real failing on Danvers and Fury's part. Uh, it, it really is a betrayal. 
And and the thing is, too, Skrullos was destroyed, but it doesn't say that the entire Skrull empire fell, like all the planets, right? Mm-hmm. So they were empires that so they must have had other places that they could have gone to. Whether, yeah, that's a good point. If they had been an expansionist uh, empire building right. uh, society, what about one of their former conquests? That's a yeah. good point. Pelly continues, I found it unbelievable that Talos's master plan was to fight Gravik and beg the president for a place to live. He's been on Earth long enough to know they sh- how fruitless that would be. I think Gravik has a much better, is a much better tactician than the show is letting on. He's been 10 steps ahead this whole time, supposedly turning Fury's tricks against him. The reason he's so far ahead of everyone else is that he's learned from the best of the best and that Fury's lost his grip. I also feel like Gravik is still trying to not show his hand. So this email was written, I think, probably before this episode. So they've definitely taken Gravik down a... Uh, yeah, in the, I'm a, I'm the leader, I'm the smart one. And, mm. and they're sort of falling victim to their own anger. And it's just, it's a, it's a sad trope. I think uh, I agree with the idea here that that's another storyline with a lot of potential was the chess game between Gravik mm. and Fury. If Gravik had been an understudy, had been, you know, with uh, Fury and learning all his tricks and stuff, it would have been a great, you know, master apprentice sort of thing. You know, who's the master now? And then the the whole turn of the upset, like you didn't fall, fulfill your promises, so now I'm going to fulfill them for me. I know all your tricks. Therefore, we're going to have this great cat and mouse game kind of thing. That would have, you know, it's a little tropey, but I, it would have been a really engaging storyline, I think, overall. And, and um, they hint at that, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, tells Sonya that he sent graphic in to get the, the sample. Exactly, exactly. So they so. do hint at that relationship a lot more. It, and show. again, it's just, it's just waste a lot of wasted waste uh, story potential here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand in the larger picture of the show of the calendar for MCU things. This is a limited series. It's six episodes. Okay, I get it. You know, you don't want to pull people off invested into a whole other thing. We've got Loki coming. We've got Echo. We've been well. We've got a bunch of stuff. But this could have been a really nice long run thing. And you've got. Big yeah. characters, Cheadle, yeah. Jackson, uh, I'm sorry, Gaia's uh, actress. Um, Amelia Clark. Thank you, Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman, uh, um, Kingsley Benadir, you know, who's up and coming. You've got a lot of talent here. Give us a come out and say, right, this is going to be two seasons, two, right. two 10 episodes, right. Uh, right. seasons, and we're really going to okay. get into this stuff. There's you good story. Compare it to here. Andor, make it Andor. Yeah. Right, yeah. There you go. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, overall, episode four has me all the way back. While the other Marvel series have been empty in the middle and sort of fillery, this show is so far not dragged as much as the others. Perhaps they finally figured out how to write TV. <laughs> well, um, hard disagree. I just couldn't disagree more. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I think uh, the the shows have been really where the MCU has shined, especially, I mean, in phase four is what started it. I mean, this is... We'll see how it shapes out next week, but this is so far my least favorite MC show. It just um, because it's just the sloppiest. It's the has well, you you know we've yeah. we've, we've, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked yeah. we've talked <laughs> we've just talked about it and and, and all of the potential that was uh, was mm-hmm. there and the mm-hmm. promise. Anything else? Yeah, no. Uh, they continue. I wholeheartedly agree with David's point about the, that the content isn't always as good as it can be, but disagree about the existential threats being too much. 
in my head, the reason all the supers don't show up for everything is because they have their own missions. And for Secret Invasion in particular, Fury is playing it close to the chest. That's true. That's all true. As far as the Avengers are aware, it's not just a political struggle. And uh, that, oh, as far as the Avengers are aware, it's just a political struggle. And that's out of their wheelhouse anyway. Regarding their willingness to experiment in the movies, it seems to me the upcoming Marvel Marvel's movie will break from form with the three leads switching out every time they use their powers. So quickly on my thing about existential threats, that's just me in the totality of it. And in I think that's just, you know, from the comic books, you can do that and you can do parallel universes and have all this kind of fun. I just get uh, a little overwhelmed with existential crisis of the week, <laughs> you know, and right. all the movies and the threats and that kind of stuff. It's fine. It, that That's just my own little personal thing. I just kind of scratch my head every once in a while when we've got, you know, the stuff with Dr. Strange and we've got the snap and we've got the, uh, the Eternals and, you know, on and on and on. It just seems like, you know, there's never not a existential threat to the, the universe the is a big, bad place, man. It is. Mm. <laughs> it really is. What do we think? Uh, about the Marvel's movie looking like it might break form a little bit here and have some fun with storyline stuff. Yeah, I mean, it looks like an interesting format. I'm in terms of like actually trying new things. I'm more excited about the rumors that part of it's going to be a musical. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They go to a planet that in the comics is a planet where they speak in rhyme. So the rumor is for the movie, they're going to be singing. (laughs) could be fun but then yeah that's the kind of experimentation with genre that i mean so like one tv show not at all related to the mcu but it's just airing the new season now so it's in my head is an apple tv show called the after party Mm -hmm. and that's the best example of experimenting with genre because they do a season-long story of uh, a murder mystery with characters that connect between seasons but every single episode is told from a different character's perspective in a different genre so You'll have an animated episode, you'll have a noir episode, you'll have a, a, you know, Regency drama episode. Yeah. And that's like, and that's what I'd like to see more in the MCU. Like, yes, all superhero stories, but make it like, you know, WandaVision experimented with classic TV. You know, you have... Uh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, Werewolf by Night, obviously classic horror. You you have, you know, even with the comedy lawyer procedural with She-Hulk, you have... And by the way, sorry, just... <laughs> Related tangent, related to this episode with She-Hulk, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, that little thing that Sonia said about uh, how, you know, all men are gaslighting and murderous and stuff. That's the sort of thing that people were saying She-Hulk was saying, but that is not Not at all. She-Hulk had like good characters and bad characters of any gender. Yes. And some of them, yeah, some of them were bad and some of them were pug, you know, and it wasn't, it was exactly not saying that. It was not saying all X is all the same. Anyway, I I just would like to see, back to the original point, I just would like to see uh, the MCU in the movie side experiment more and hopefully the Marvels is indeed a step in that direction. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited for it. Cool. Well, that's coming out in November 10th, and we're definitely going to do a full coverage for that when it drops. Uh, November 10th is still the date that's holding, right? Yes. Um, So far. Best best of our knowledge. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's wrap it up for today. Thanks again, Alicia, for doing our notes and for our in-depth conversation. And again, dear listener, I know we were hard on this episode. You may have liked it. We get it. Remember, we love this property and you know the the MCU stuff, and so we just really 
have a high standard, some high expectations. So please don't don't think we're just um, jumping on the the show just because we uh, enjoy doing that. We really want to do. We really want good stories, and we really want to praise and uplift them, and uplift the writers and the actors and everybody who works hard on these things. So. Cool. All right. Real quick, Patreon shout out. Thank you to our lore master, top tier subscribers, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Ian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Joyce E, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, and Robert L. Apologies, Robert L. I missed you from our last couple of shout outs. I got uh, things lost in my email. So uh, apologies for not giving you shout outs before. Probably not a big deal. But anyway, you're on the list now. And thank you to all of our Loremaster patrons. Your support is amazing. All of our patrons at any level. Thank you all so very much. The stickers, the thank you, the one year thank you stickers are on their way to me. They should be here. Um, the next day after we finish this recording. So we're going to get those out into the mail to everyone as soon as we can. Let's talk about uh, some programming for upcoming shows. Real quick, Properly Howard Film Review, one of our affiliate podcasts. They're going to be starting their uh, season on uh, movie remakes August 14th. Their next uh, offering will be White Men Can't Jump, the 2023 version. So this season, it's all going to be remake movies. Uh, Anthony, who's an academic, and Steve, who's a stand-up comic. They uh, do movie reviews. It's a lot of fun. It's hilarious. So look for that feed. Subscribe. There'll be a link in the show notes. They've got White Men Can't Jump, June Part 1, and Alicia and I and John were all on that podcast. That was a lot of fun. They're going to do RoboCop, and we'll keep updating you with the list of shows that they've got for the rest of their season. Alicia, Wool Shift Dust is you're keeping the podcast name and yet you're going to be broadening out into other sci-fi properties and you've got a big plan for us. You want to clue us in on what's next? Yeah. So I just recently released the episode to wrap up Silo season one, yes. which you both featured on. So <laughs> That was a lot of that fun. Was, uh, the game show was, format was great. The creativity was it was awesome. Thank you for doing all that work. It was great. So uh, anyone who hasn't checked that out, even if you don't watch Silo, I think it's probably a fun listen, that one. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, so that we're going to take a quick, uh, a little short pause in that Wool Shift Dust feed, but then we'll be coming back in August with Wool Shift Dust Does Dune. Yeah, nice. And we're going to be first talking about the book Dune by Frank Herbert, and then uh, talking about the various attempts to adapt it over the years. Of course, working our way toward the new Dune part two, Villeneuve film that's going to be released in November. So we're going to be talking about all of the lore and all of the philosophy and uh, why this book is like so beloved, why this story is so beloved, but also looking at like, well, what works and what doesn't work in an adaptation? Um, what's been more successful than others? Uh, just seeing how different people tackle the same problem. So we're going to learn a little bit about filmmaking along the way too. Sounds um, good. And, and meanwhile, yeah, if you're interested in more Silo, the book club is just heating up. Uh, this week we drop our, uh, our in-depth coverage of the first book in the Silo series, Wool, on patreon.com slash wool Excellent. Uh, really quick, back to the, the Dune stuff, I noticed that you're going to be talking about um, a documentary uh, about uh, yeah. yeah Yodorowsky, who is a filmmaker, a very famous filmmaker, who was going to make a Dune movie but didn't, but they made a documentary about that. That's very cool. 
And it looks like you're going to get into some of the video games. I played a, one of those resource management video games uh, yeah. many years ago on Dune. That was a great one as well. So it's really cool that you're just going to the whole world of, of stuff. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Dune is it's a big story, but it's also an incredible IP. And it's yeah. interesting right. to look yeah. at it as an IP engine also. And Absolutely. it's great uh, because there's a lot. Of, we've, we're covering Foundation right now, which sort of jumps yeah. into our um, coverage, what the Lorehounds are up to. We're covering Foundation in full. John and I are doing full episode breakdowns. It's so far we're two episodes in. It's going really well. But there's a lot of communication between the stories. There's a lot of interesting parallel Absolutely. ideas. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, it's a fun thing to have both of these big properties uh, working with us there. Uh, yeah. So we've got uh, foundation coming or are in progress. We are getting ready for the Ahsoka live action series. And so we're going to drop a couple of episodes with some background background prep on who Ahsoka is and some of the important story arcs. We have a um, Silmarillion stories about to be released. We've got our Earth continuing our Book Nook Earthsea series uh, with Marilyn Arpakila. Those should be out very shortly. And I'm trying to pull together an open a Barbenheimer uh, panel. Mm-hmm various co-hosts and affiliates to see who's seen Barbie, who's seen Oppenheimer, who's seen both. And uh, I think we'll we'll pull some folks together in, in the next uh, week or so to see if we can get something out about that. Alicia, did you do the double feature? I, I'm, I'm doing the double feature. Well, I was going to go today, but we're doing this. I'm going to oh. do it on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, great. It's both, both movies getting strong reviews. So, Very strong. Uh, yeah. yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm movies. looking forward to it. And I also, at first, I was going to go Barbie first and Oppenheimer, but then I just felt so depressed thinking about that. Yeah. That I made sure I got the tickets for Tuesday and made sure to swap them. So yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like Much a five better. minute overlap. Yeah. So oh, we'll be my running goodness. out of Oppenheimer oh into Barbie. Well, oh you'll gosh. at least you'll have uh, 10, 15 minutes of trailers right, in front exactly. of the other one. So you'll be able to, you know. I'm always five minutes late to the movies anyway because of that. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for um, coverage of this show. We're, we've got one more to go. We've got our finale. And one more. Think, yeah. One more. And the post credit scene is going to make it all worth it, I believe. Uh. <laughs> Fair enough. And then what do we, we have to think about what we're going to do for MCU. We've been talking uh, offline a little bit about that. Alicia, you've got some plans. We've got some Halloween stuff that you want to get into. Halloween. Yeah, Yeah, very cool. And uh, we've got a couple of in-between shows. So I think on the the next show, we'll talk a little bit more specifically about our plans. But in terms of releases, official MCU releases, obviously we have Loki coming up in October. We have the Marvels in November. And then I think they're going to binge drop uh, Echo at the end of November. Was there anything else that I've missed? Oh, yeah, it's all been. I think that's all we know of. Yeah. Okay. For now, that's that's all we have. Sounds good. Okay, well, we'll see you on the finale. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Ciao. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. 
This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>